Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I may be old and I may be young, but I am not done changing, changing, changing. Change is inevitable, whether we like it or not, and realize it or not. Um, how many of you are old enough to remember Harvest Gold appliances? Harvest Gold appliances. Or the color mauve. That was definitely an 80s color. Ask a 20-year-old ask a what uh, Red Rover is or what three on a tree is. They'll kind of look at you like, you know, give you some funny looks. Um, change occurs in our life whether we like it or not. Most of us don't like change or don't like reacting to it or responding to it, but can't keep it from happening. It's inevitable. And I want us today to look at change as it relates to us, whether we find ourselves in the comfort of cultural Christianity, whether, whether we find ourselves fully devoted to him and forever changed and continuing to do so, to be drawn into his likeness and walk more in his image with each passing day, each passing week, each passing year. We need to look and respond and react more like he does. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 20. We're going to be in various places today as far as our text is concerned. Be in John 20, be in Matthew 18, if you want to stick a finger there, in Acts 6. Verses 14 and 15 says this. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He said to her, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll get him. The resurrection changed Jesus and we're going to see how it changes us as well. But first of all, it changed his appearance. It changed his appearance. She didn't recognize him. This was Mary who had walked with him as a supporter and kind of an inner circle person of his among the 12 as well. Uh, in addition to the 12, as they, as they come alongside, as they, in fact, fed, fed him quite frequently and stayed in their home in Bethany. Jesus did quite frequently. And so this is a person who was with him for, th- for three years or so who didn't recognize who he was. His, 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 his aura, his, 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 the, the, the countenance of who he was had changed so greatly post-resurrection, she didn't even recognize who he was. Now, some, some scholars carry this so far as to say, and I don't know whether I'm with this or not. In fact, I, anyway, let me just explain. Some, some scholars carry this so far as to say, in the glorified state, we will not look like who we look like here. Meaning, we'll not recognize family members on the other side. We'll not recognize friends on the other side. That in the glorified state, they'll look like who they were designed to look like instead of who they physically look like here. You can come to that determination for your own, in your own way as to whether you carry it that far or not. But his appearance definitely changed. Look, uh, turn, turn a page or two if you need to over to chapter 21 <clears throat> and look at uh, verses 4 to 14 with me of chapter 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not re- realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. 
When they did, they were able to haul, uh, unable to haul the net in because of such a large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals. And there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, come, bring some of the fish that you've caught. Um, here is the 12. This is a post-resurrection encounter as well. Here is the 12, a hundred yards away, and don't recognize who he is. In fact, don't recognize who he is until he starts to break break the bread and, and give them something to eat. In, in this meal just a few moments ago, John says to Peter, I think it's the Lord. It's, it, his, his frame looks like the Lord. So on hearing that, Peter jumps in, but, but they, they didn't recognize his appearance. And, and again, they, these, are, these are guys that have walked with them day after day after day, every day for, for three plus years. And so it changed his appearance of resurrection did. It, it, it's going, it should change ours as well. The question I want to pose to you as, as it relates to that is, did your encounter with Jesus change your appearance? Is, is, is the way you come across, is, is your attitude, is, it, is your countenance the same as it always was? Is your attitude the same as it always was? Does your appearance, what, what, what does your body language say to others? Teach me if you must. I, I'm skeptical of whatever you have to say, but, or I'm approachable. Share with me your story. I'm interested in your story. What does your body language say to others about your, your concern for them, your love for them, your care for them? I wonder, uh, I wonder, I wonder that about, about each of us, but certainly about myself. The resurrection changed his appearance. It should change ours as well. Secondly, the resurrection changed his approach. Go back to chapter 20 and look at verses 21 and 22 with me. He says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. They went from, from being followers to being sent. He changed the approach to, to, the, to their walk in their life with him. How did he do that? Well, they were, they were huddled together, as this story says, and afraid. And in being huddled together and afraid behind locked doors, he shows up in the midst of them, you know, not, not having come through the door, breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And this passage says, and the Holy Spirit brings peace to this room, peace to their hearts. Saying what? Saying that the answer to our fears, any fear, is the, is the peace the Holy Spirit brings. So whether your fear today is a virus, whether your fear today is a relationship, whether your fear today is, 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 has to do with, with finances or your vocation, whether, whether it's a health issue, cancer, something else, regardless of what your fear is today, the presence of the Holy Spirit with you should be peace to you to say, I've got this. The Spirit, he says, is with you to bring, and he brought peace, immediate peace in the room, the Spirit did, and that's one of the great roles of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I want to do some teaching on the Holy Spirit this fall. But one of his primary roles for us is to bring peace in situations where there's turmoil, to bring peace in situations where there's uncertainty, to bring peace in situations where there is fear and the unknown. And so our, our, our approach follows from, from following him to being sent to others. That that changed his appearance and his approach. Now let's look, look look at the changes in us. Turn to Matthew chapter eighteen, if you will, and I want you to see uh, these verses in Matthew or verse verse three of Matthew chapter eighteen, if you will. Turn there. Matthew 
If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen for you. Matthew 18, verse 3 says this. And he said, truly, I tell you, watch this, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like little children. Now, little children are both vulnerable on the one hand and trusting on the other. They're vulnerable in the sense that, that others control their life and their decisions for the most part while they're young, but trusting in the sense that once they trust you, they'll follow you uh, unequivocally. There's a great lesson in that for you and I in this is that, is that as we find ourselves in, in a state of fellowship with him, our vulnerability should increase, meaning that we, we, we are less guarded, we are less uh, staunch, we are, we, we are less skeptical, we're less cynical, we're more vulnerable. And on top of that, our, 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 our trust and our faith increases in him because we see he's come through there and he's come through there and he'll come through again and again and again for us. And our vulnerability increases as our faith increases. Uh, we can't accept him, he's saying here in this passage, conditionally. We have to walk with him as children unconditionally to say, I'm, I'm all in with you. In fact, if you fail, I fail because my hands and feet are all in with you. So we must become fully devoted followers of his in order to follow him in the way he's designed for us to. He told the disciples, if you remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, to walk away from their families, walk away from their livelihoods, walk away from everything they've known and knew to follow him. You know what they did? They walked away from their families. They walked away from their livelihood. They walked away from their relationships and everything they knew and, and had been attuned to up to that point and followed him completely, left it all. That's exactly what he's talking about. We have to change to know him, have to change to know him because if we're going to know him intimately, we can't stay where we are in a guarded state, in a cynical state, in a state of, I'll let you this far, but you can't come any further than that. I'll let you that far, but you can't come any further than this. To stay in a guarded state, we cannot fully know him. If we're going to fully know him, we've got to let the guard down, let the walls down, the barriers down. We have to change to know him. Turn to Acts chapter 6, if you will. I want us to see a uh, uh, verse here in Acts chapter 6, verse 14. As we think about this idea of having to change to follow him. Having to change to follow him. Acts six fourteen says this. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Talking about the temple. He'll destroy this place and change the customs Moses had to, uh, handed down to us. And as he's saying, we can't stay the same and walk with him intimately. There's going to have to be change occur. Our, our attitudes, our motives are going to have to change. Um, we, we can't follow him intimately and, and not change. Now, cultural Christianity says, that's my position. I love him. I want to know him. I want the heaven package. I want the, I want the retirement package. But this idea of changing to look like him, to think like him, to walk like him, I don't know. I'll give him Sunday morning. I'll give him, I'll give, I'll give him the, the, the occasional crack and open the book when I'm, when I'm discouraged, when I need guidance, when I need to understand something more clearly. I'll give him that kind of change. But this idea of following him intimately in every, in every aspect of my life, I don't know. Cultural Christianity says, that's not me. A fully devoted follower, though, that's what they look like. The scripture calls us to, to change our customs, he says in this verse. In essence, to change our ways, to change our thinking, and absorb his, absorb his, his customs, his ways, his thinking for us. We can't change our culture, our, our culture <clears throat> but the gospel can. 
The gospel can change anybody around you and the power of your story of how you've accepted Christ, how the gospel has changed you and can change them. That's, that's the power in our story and the power of the gospel. But friend, it is powerless kept to ourselves. You and I have the greatest news ever and most often walk around with it <laughs> contained and packaged and neatly put in a pocket or neatly tucked between the, the pages of scripture somewhere. And we need to share the good news. We need to make the gospel known in whatever ways that looks like for you and those around you. We have to change to follow him. We have to change to know him. We have to change to follow him. Thirdly, when you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thirdly, we have to change to see him. We have to change to see him. 1 Corinthians 15, start at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Now drop down to verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a human being. Now drop down to verse 42, if you will. Chapter 15 says this. So, so it will be with, with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown imperishable, it is raised perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. He's saying that we have to change to see him in an instant, the scripture says. In the twinkling of an eye, our destiny and destination is going to change instantly. For us to realize that, it's not, uh, it's not cosmetic, it's not external, we were totally regenerated from the inside out in that moment, in an instant, made glorified just like him. Uh, we're, we're, the scripture says, changed to be made in his image, to be conformed into his image, to be made like Christ. Now, again, we talked about our, our appearance changing, or his appearance changing after the resurrection, and ours will change after the resurrection as well, into a glorified state to where we look like, resemble, think like, have the attitudes of our Lord Jesus. And in that state, He's saying we have to change to see him, to see, to see his return and realize that change, uh, that eternal change that instantly occurs. We win in that, in that moment, we, we win the victory over death. We just looked at a moment, win, win the victory here over turmoil by the presence of the Holy Spirit coming into the room, into our hearts to bring peace. We win the victory over death in that moment so that we, we can walk in peace here and victory there, he says. We have to change to see him, to realize the power of that change in that moment. I want, to, I want to share with you that, and you're aware of this, but change is all throughout Scripture. God changed Abraham from a farmer to the father of a nation. He changed Joseph from a kid brother to the king's house. He changed David from a shepherd into a giant killer. He changed Jonah from evasion to evangelist. He changed Peter from follower to leader. He changed Magdalene from hooker to help her. He changed Paul from murderer to missionary, and he can change you too. You think, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a prostitute. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not running from God, I don't think. But we, can't, we can't effectively be who he wants us to be in this world without change. We can't look like this place and reach the people of this place. We can't think like this place and minister to those around us in, the, in this place. We have to change to do that to look like him. So, to wrap, I want to ask this question a couple, and that's this. Why are we so afraid of change? 
Why are we so afraid of change? I think it's because we think peace and safety and predictability are what we're looking for. This, this idea that we find safety and in in predictability and in manageability in, in systems, if you will, that, that are consistent time after time after time. We think, predict, we think safety is found in, in those places, and it's not. They're not found in routine. Peace is found in the Holy Spirit. Safety is found in the Holy Spirit. A, a, a place of refuge is found in the Holy Spirit. They're not found in, in, in systems. They're not found in predictability. They're not found in things we know and can manage. They're found in the person and the abiding of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, we think peace and safety are at other places. Cultural Christianity is largely about conformity, of conforming to a mindset, to a, to a go-along, to get-along kind of thing. It's, it, it, it is largely about sameness. But being a follower of Jesus is about transformation. It's about change. It's about leaving our attitudes and our wants and our desires and what we see to be good for us and picking up his and walking in the truth of those. That kind of change takes a great deal of faith on our part. And as I've said so many times, your track record of faith, the markers in your life or lack of, is going to make that transformation harder or easier. The more markers there are, the easier that transformation is to follow him. The fewer times we've had to trust him in a hard place and watch him come through, the harder it is to, to, to move to a place of, I don't know that I don't want to make myself vulnerable before him and before others. I don't know that I want to blindly follow him in vulnerability and put that much trust in him because I don't have the markers to show for it. I'm going to tell you, if, if you trust him once, he'll give you a marker. If you trust him again, he'll give you another one. If you trust him again, my, my, my point is, is time after time, he's going to come through. In your time frame, in the way you think, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the method you think, seldom. Seldom in the time frame you, you want to, to see it, but God will always navigate you through a hard place to help you see what he wants you to see and wanted you, wanted you to see from the very beginning of it. Um, it's a hard get. I understand all of that. I understand it's a hard get because you're, you are, and we are, and I raised my daughters to be, and trying to instill in a grandson to be independent. Make those decisions for yourself. Find, find a place for yourself that is where, where you're not, you're not, tossed back and forth by the wind, tossed back and forth by this, this whim or that whim. Find a place of resilience to where you, 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 can, you can be independent, make decisions for yourself. But somewhere in all of that is, is heresy. And I fear, that, I fear that I've taught heresy over the years of teaching independence because we need to be fully, to be fully devoted followers of Christ. We've got to lay it down and be willing to change and be willing to say, I don't want what I want anymore. I don't want the things, I don't want to walk in the ways that I've been walking. I, I don't want my agenda anymore. I want his for me. I want to discover that, find that, and walk in the truth of that. That's what he's calling us to. It, cultural Christianity is pretty easy. To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus requires change. That's a hard change sometimes, depending on how we've been raised and what we've seen or haven't seen. And so I encourage you today to take the first step in that direction. I encourage you to, whatever that looks like for you, whatever the challenge is for you, to step into it today and not be intimidated by it anymore, to let the enemy say, Listen, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. And you may fail, and you may fall. But I don't know who's going to be at the end to pick you up. Let's pray. Father, today would you, would you stir in us the complacency of cultural Christianity and to live and desire a disdain for it. In fact, to look at it maybe from an insider's view and say, I don't, 
not only do I not want that anymore, I need to learn to grow to hate that. I need to learn to grow to hate the callousness that this culture places on my faith. I need to learn to hate the political correctness that I'm, that I'm forced to assume in our culture day after day. I need to learn to hate the things you hate. And complacency is one of those things. You told the church at Laodicea, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, because you're tepid, you make me want to throw up. You make me want to vomit. As you look at the New Testament church today, I fear that's our same judgment sometimes. I fear you look at us and say, would you just decide whether you're in or out? Would you decide whether you're with me or not? Would you decide whether you're going to sell out and follow me and walk with me? Whatever risk that looks like taking or find a place of safety and convenience. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.